Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. Uh, My guest is uh, Joanna Sapir. She's a holistic health business owner. Uh, We're going to talk about avoiding burnout. We're going to go over a case study and look at five steps to improve uh, people's process uh, when when considering burnout. The website is Joanna Sapir, all one word, joannasapir.com. Sapir is spelled S-A-P-I-R. Joanna is J-O-A-N-N-A, so joannasapir.com. Joanna, thanks so much for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me, Rich. Slight correction that I I used to own a, a health business, but I sold that, and now I work as a business strategist for health and wellness practitioners. Okay, but still, uh, burnout's probably a key theme that, that hasn't left you, right? Oh, 100%. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me a bit about your background and why has the topic of burnout become very important to you? Yeah, well... I never imagined myself in business. I'll say that. And that's like many of my clients. So I I, I feel really lucky. I, I don't know how many people talk about their careers this way, but I've had like three different kind of phases to my career, like three different almost lifetimes. <laughs> and my original calling way back coming out of college was to teaching, to being a teacher. And I still consider myself a teacher, but I was a classroom, high school classroom teacher for years and got into curriculum design. I was teaching teachers. That that was my career path. And so a bunch of things happened in my life where some some shifts cha- some shifts happened, some changes were made. I left the classroom and I almost almost accidentally just very organically started my first business without ever like thinking I'm going into business or I want to be an entrepreneur, nothing like that. And what that business was was a brick and mortar strength and conditioning business. It was a, a a gym, you know, and and so I had no background in business whatsoever. I had been a high school teacher and a teacher educator for all those years and found myself running a business and the business took off. People started showing up. I had to be there every day. It was just me. I had no systems or processes in place. I did everything and wore all the hats. And within the first year, I found myself one day in the emergency room with a variety of very strange symptoms that I was really concerned about that seemed pretty serious to me. And the oh, doctor, really? what, what happened? If you, I say. Well, yeah, I mean, there was a combination of like my skin had broken out in some strange like red rashes and I had nausea and dizziness. And to me, I was like, oh, my goodness, meningitis, like what's going on? It was just it, the the combination was unusual. And I'm not somebody who runs to the doctor for things, but I was like, what's going on? And I get there and they start running all these tests and like two hours into running these tests and just, I mean, they just kept coming back and being like, have you traveled to a foreign country? They're like trying to rule out tropical diseases. And I I finally, it hit me. It hit me as I'm, as I'm sitting there. Oh my goodness. This is, 
like a manifestation of stress. And once I realized it, I knew that's exactly what it was. And and it was the beginning signs of burnout. And that's usually what burnout looks like for folks is either they're hit with they're hit with some major health scare or major health actual actual health problems. Or the other thing is just kind of a depression of feeling like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Maybe I just burn it all down. They have dreams of it just working at a bookstore instead of having their own business, you know? And so I had hit that point. And so, I mean, for me, it was my wake up call. And it was so early in the business that I realized, oh, I need to actually learn how to run this business. I need to learn how this goes. I mean, this has got to be possible. So I set about to learn that. So fast forward 10 years, I, I grew that business to be able to run without me and was profitable and sustainable. And I sold it and knew that what I wanted to do was help specifically health and wellness practitioners, um, folks like acupuncturists and body workers, et cetera, run more, more profitable, more sustainable sustainable businesses because these are folks who, just like I did, almost they end up in business without any business background whatsoever and without ever thinking like I'm starting a business. Instead, they have a skill and a a gift that they want to bring to others in health and in healing. And so you just kind of hang your shingle and you go for it. You know how to work with clients. You know how to do the practice, the modality, but nobody's ever taught, nobody's ever taught my folks the business side of things. And so burnout happens pretty fast and pretty regularly without getting some help there. Years ago, I would hear people having a nervous breakdown. Is that just uh, extreme burnout or like, um, you know, once people get into burnout or they're approaching it, like are there stages that have been categorized by people? You know, I'm not a psychologist and have have no specific background in that. I mean, I, you know, I, I consider myself a business teacher and business strategist. So I can tell you, as I said, kind of what the symptoms are that people come to me with, which is a sort of desperation and a questioning of, do I even want to go on and do this anymore? And usually, you know, if they even could see the possibility, then they don't feel that way, but they don't see the possibility. So fortunately, I'm, I'm able to lay that out for them. Like, here's how it can look and here's here are the changes that that you'd need to make to get there and and it's totally totally possible i guess people say you know paraphrasing like uh, they feel stuck and they're they're losing interest in their business they just it's hard to motivate themselves but again they feel stuck and they have to maybe like they're on a hamster wheel like, yeah. what are some of the things you hear from people that tell you uh-oh Well, there's a huge lack of time. It's like they don't get to do anything for themselves that they really want to. So, and in my case, you know, my clients are health practitioners and many of them, their own health is just like they're not even doing the physical like activities that they love. They're missing time with their loved ones because as you said, hamster wheel, it's like they're in their business and just cranking, cranking, cranking at all times, kind of squeezing clients in wherever they can get in, when there's gaps in the schedule, kind of like racing to do whatever they can to get more clients to fill those gaps and just feeling like they have no time for themselves. Um, Folks have come to me and said, you know, originally when I dreamed of this business, you know, I had this business plan and the business was going to allow me to do all these creative, like pursue these creative projects I have. And they've just never been able to do any of that. And uh, yeah, so health health issues going by the wayside, relationships kind of falling apart, not being there for their kids or their spouses. These are these are the kinds of things that that people show up with and just go, I feel like a workhorse. But besides all that, Rich, is there 
they're they're also not making enough money in the process. So there's like almost no reward. You know, it's not like, okay, I, I'm doing this for the money. It's like they're also struggling financially. And there's this feeling to it that if I stop, if I step off this hamster wheel, it will all fall apart and I'll, you know, and I'll be broke. And the thing is, is usually the way their businesses are set up, that is true that if they step off that there will be no more income so that that's one of the things that we got to fix you know yeah i felt all these things um <laughs> for myself i implemented systems and procedures and checklists and you know use the 80 20 rule but you know we'll get into your system so so you were experiencing this burnout you had this mystery illness i took you off the story but if we could return to it what did you do next and how did you innovate and figure out what to do yeah well i i had i trial and error I did know of somebody, there was kind of somebody in the field who was fairly local that I knew about that had a real successful gym that was just like mine. This is back in 2007. And this style of like, now we see lots of these kind of small strength and conditioning, kind of kind of more boutique looking gyms. Back then it was pretty new and pretty unusual. So there weren't a lot of models of it. And so, but I knew of this one person and, and I think maybe I heard that they were mentoring some people, you know, and I reached out. So the first thing I did was seek a mentor. That that mentorship didn't particularly work out. They were running their gym. They were just kind of trying to help people on the side and weren't that good at it, really. But eventually, I think I remember read. I mean, I definitely started reading books, you know, some classics, the E-Myth and started seeing things myself. But when things really turned around was when I found the right the right mentorship for me. And so I found a like firm that was a that was a fitness business coaching company and really just started learning, you know, learning business, learning what the departments of my business were, learning, you know, standard operating procedures, learning. I mean, even probably the most important things from the beginning were like just pricing and packaging and sales process. Pretty, pretty basic stuff that actually so few people really do have or the people I work with, they they don't have that. There's nobody's taught them unless somebody's taught them. So usually it's it's me coming in and doing it. So that was it. I mean, just seeking, really seeking mentorship and then eventually finding it. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Well, do you find that business owners listen to you only when they're in great pain or how resistant are they to the message you're giving them? Yeah, that's interesting. Gosh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, you know... I would say there's loads of people who need the work that I do who who will never do it. <laughs> so the people who end up kind of coming forward are inspired at the feel. They know they have a feeling and then they may have heard me speak somewhere, um, really kind of describing some of the details. And they're inspired 
to make it different. They're inspired for something different. They see the possibility of something different. There are folks who are really struggling financially. I got to say, usually that's not who usually in my marketing that I'm calling out to anyway, because that that sort of like desperation for for doing better can be really challenging to work with. But when people understand that there is a new path possible and and they're suffering from some of the symptoms I've talked I've talked about, that's when they, they start reaching out to me, you know. So what is the protocol when you first start working with someone? What does it look like? When once they're actually a client or just like from the moment they there's some contact? Oh yeah, once they're a client, you know, what, what kind of things do you take clients through typically in what order or you know, like what's yeah. some of the basics of your system? Yeah. So I I run at this point I have a very like systematized program that I run folks through and and so we begin we begin with what I consider these foundations that again they don't usually have and so one of the first ones is the least sexy I sure don't even talk about it much in my marketing because it's not something that people think they need or think will make any difference to their business and yet it does but it's um, establishing what I would call their core ideology you know their their company purpose and their core values values and what this is about. Like, why are they doing this and what do they stand for? I consider that pretty foundational. It's like the the sort of North Star that's going to help them make decisions in the future. Like, why, why are you here and what, what is this meant to what is this meant to be achieving? What impact is this meant to be, you know, having? So we start with that and then we go into some some stuff that probably to you is going to sound really basic and but everybody's got to do it. And even people with really advanced businesses, you come back and you re- you review and reiterate these same things over and over. So we move into who are your ideal clients? Health practitioners, wellness practitioners have never been taught to hone in on who who are their ideal clients. Their, their model they're usually taught in their schooling is simply around help, health and helping anybody. So this can be hard and it can be in shift. And so what I like to lead people through is a series of exercises that to me, I don't come from a marketing lens, even though I absolutely teach them marketing in the long run, but I'm not coming to ideal client from a marketing lens. I'm coming to it from the lens of the practitioner and looking at, okay, who who are the people that you have absolutely loved working with and have gotten the best results from your services. And it's that intersection. And we look at who those folks are and we look at any patterns there are. And um, and I guide and I guide my clients through through looking at that. So even anybody listening who's been in business, again, like I I do this every year. I review who who my ideal client is and my ideal client avatars and it's based on real people. So that's the next thing we do. And from there we build their, we build programs and packages. And so this is probably my program. Since you're asking, it's called the Business Revolution Academy for Wellness Practitioners. And the revolutionary part is, is that in the, in the wellness industry, like Rich, I don't know if you see anyone like an acupuncturist or a massage therapist or a physical therapist or anybody like that. The standard in wellness services is you buy a session. That's what you do. You get a set, you book a session. Sometimes, depending on the service, you might buy a pack of sessions, which usually is is only positioned as, well, if you buy a pack, you get a discount. What I what I encourage and help practitioners do is actually create programs and treatment plans for their clients that are completely based on getting those clients the very best results possible. So, you know, you have an injury and you go see a body worker, you know, that 
that body worker can't do, they're barely doing anything in one session. It's never going to be one session that it like fixes the problem and addresses the root cause and it's never going to come back. There's a whole process that happens there. And so, so I help practitioners package their services into plans that actually carry somebody, for example, if there's an injury like that, through that practitioner's process of addressing the root cause of the injury and, and, and really solving the problem, which never is a single session, like I said, and never even is. It's not an arbitrary pack of sessions. It actually is some kind of container that has a cadence to it. You know, maybe it's nine weeks and the, and the client comes in or the patient comes in once a week. And then there's a particular process even in those sessions that they're doing. So I'm talking a lot. You just interrupt me if I need to stop. That's that's the next piece we do. And then okay. and then the next and then the next piece after that, and this this all this is I'll, I'll stop after that is is a sales system. Another thing that wellness practitioners don't have. And so by sales system, I'm I'm talking about a repeatable and predictable process that converts your leads into clients so that so that you have like data and numbers and and in the process of that, you're filtering people out now that you know your ideal clients as well. You're filtering out the wrong fit clients and kindly referring them elsewhere. You're only bringing in the ideal clients for you and enrolling them in these programs and treatment plans. And that by itself, without ever adding any more marketing or anything like that, already cuts down on like drastically on a practitioner's work time and increases their income and gives them predictability and stability that they never had before. Just those pieces that I talked about. What do you mean? What what does how does it cut down on their their workload, or their instability? Yeah. So if you if they're previously if previously a practitioner is selling session by session, then the oh, okay. the whole hamster wheel is just like I got to book all these sessions, and all of their income is based on not simply booking the sessions, but people showing up for them. And a mm. huge complaint a huge complaint in wellness is no shows and cancellations. And so they're not getting paid if people are booking sessions and not showing up. And then not only that, when the people are not not showing up or canceling, they're not getting the results, right? And so when you move to a programmatic approach, first of all, part of what I do, which I think you're probably quite familiar with, is really helping them put boundaries around their time. We do all kinds of like numbers running for to determine what their price needs to be needs to be based on their ideal schedule and how many client facing hours they have so they're no longer the before is they're just cramming clients in as much as they can because that's their only tool they have to leverage income is cram sessions in as many as I can get right instead we actually put boundaries around that what's your ideal schedule so that they can have time for all those things that they want to be with their their partners or their kids or for their own health or for their creative projects right we create that we base their pricing based on that and then now they're enrolling clients in a, you know, like I said, like a nine week program, or it might even be a 12 a month program. It all just depends on the practitioner and what they design. So now there's this predictability and the income itself. It's not based on whether people book and show up. They have booked now for, you know, months into the future. They do show up because they're on like an automatic payment plan. And these are folks who are fully committed to the process. So they're actually getting incredible results, which just increases referrals and probably most of all gives the practitioner this true sense of fulfillment that they're finally doing what they came to do. This is what they came to do. These are not people who started businesses to to get rich or, you know, like because they thought that this was going to be lucrative. They started these businesses right. because this was a gift they want to give. And now it's finally really happening that people are getting right, but, right, but, what, but if you don't do 
prepays and stuff like that, if people stop paying, then holds in a lot of people, but not everybody. So what, what happens when they start doing these long programs? Okay, so it does actually hold in everyone. And, and I'm not going to say 100%, but out of the many, many people I've worked with, I just never hear about issues there unless it's like truly a client is moving away or something, moving out of town, or it's actually the practitioner who's like, I don't think there's a fit here. So I want to be clear that this is not about like locking a client into a contract, that's that's really not the premise. The premise is what do my ideal clients actually need in terms of services? So the the practitioner is who designs that. And that is truly designed to meet the needs of these clients. So those clients are very consensually stepping into that container. It's not I, I wouldn't. Yes, there is a client agreement. And in, in licensed professions, it's not called a client agreement. It's I forget the name for it. There's a there's a different name for it in a in licensed healthcare. But yes, there is a legal piece that they are signing. But that's really we're not we're really not leaning on that. What we're leaning on is in the sales process. The sales process is about getting to know this prospective client really well, making sure that they are actually a fit for the programs and treatment plans that you have based on a full assessment. So, for example, a lot of practitioners will charge for an assessment, right? In the sales process, I generally teach the assessment is free and the practitioner is laying out, here's what I see going on with you. Here's what I think the treatment plan is for you. And, you know, do you want to do that? So they are they are stepping into that empowered and there's a whole filtering process ahead of time to really make sure those are the right folks that are getting that assessment. I was saying, that, you know, like if, if people are in, in agreements, you know, let's say three months, six months, nine months or a year, you know, you still have to get the payment. Maybe you put them on auto pay. What if it doesn't come through? Oh, yeah. um, what if Someone contacts you and says, hey, I, I just can't afford this right now. Or, you know, hey, I want to quit, but they're in a contract. Like, what do you do there? Yeah. I mean, I would just say the right systems in place generally prevent that. So something like the I can't afford it, that's all prevented before you even ever have an assessment with them because we pre-qualify on budget and we pre-qualify on commitment. None of this is arbitrary. Like I was talking about a 10-session pack the way a lot of people do it is arbitrary. It's just based on this. If you buy 10, you get some kind of discount. These programs are based on what the practitioner, through the the actual process a practitioner is going to take a client through. So let's see, I'm, I'll just use myself as an example, but I'm not a health practitioner, but here I have this program. It's the Business Revolution Academy. It's a six month program. You're joining the program knowing what we're doing, knowing what the process is, knowing month by month how long it takes and how this is going to go, knowing what potentially your results are. I'm completely transparent about what kind of results I think you may have at month six, at month nine, at month 10, whatever it is. I'll be transparent about that, where that is. And so you know what this is about. It's not a ma it, it eliminates kind of what you're talking about is what happens in the session by session approach, which is I go to a body worker and let's say I have uh, I have been so I'm an athlete, actually, and I have been dealing with this nerve impingement thing. If I go to a body worker and they're on the session by session approach, which they all are in general, and they might even say something to me like this could be, you know, this could be a long process, like it might take you, you know, it might take six months or something. But then session by session, they're not carrying me through an actual 
process. They haven't described that to me. I don't know what we're doing. That's where, you know, three months in, I'm like, I'm just not seeing progress and I'm not seeing results and I don't think this works. And then I might turn around and, and not go to them. Whereas when you have a defined... Or if you... Well, or if you feel good after, let's say, three sessions, you're like, I don't need to go to them anymore. I'm fine. Okay, I guess so that could be a thinking we, too. We could take both those examples. So what in a defined container, I understand the path that I'm on. I'm being taken on some kind of journey. And the practitioner has explained that to me and lays out like, this is what phase we're in of this work, or this is what we're focusing on on this portion of this work. And I understand the whole process I'm going to be going through. And I know perfectly well that if whatever, as the example, three months in, like they're even talking to me explicitly about this, like, yep, you're not seeing this yet, these results, and we're still working towards this milestone or whatever. So I know that likewise, if they know as part of their process that somebody's going to feel better because they've, let's just say they've released it, some physical thing, and they've actually released whatever is creating the pain. But part of their process is now let's go to the root of what created that tension, adhesion, whatever it was, you know, movement patterns, they're explaining to me, like, now we're going into the phase to address like what caused that in the first place so that it prevents it. And you don't, you're not coming back with this same thing. And so I understand that process as I'm going through it. Now, it sounds like you're asking me those questions from kind of the client side of things, like some maybe resistance around getting like, you know, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, locked into a contract. Again, I want to be really clear. That's not what this is about at all. I mean, it's just, it's amazing the success stories that practitioners have with their clients around this. But what practitioners do often ask me is what you just asked, which is what if, what if I'm wrong and it takes less time or more time? And then I thought it was going to. And a key piece of this is just full transparency the whole time that as the practitioner, you get to share with the client exactly where they're at. But again, through in the in the process I teach anyway, practitioners have a framework. So they're still showing you where you're at in the framework and in the process. And if, you know, something went better than planned cool, the, the great. And you want to release them? Like you've done, you've gone through everything that you need to go done. That's you as a practitioner get to say we're, we're not there. Or if you called it wrong and you realize that they're responding really minimally and slowly to, to the work that you're doing that you thought was going to be faster, you say the same thing to them. Hey, this is where we're at. I thought we would have been, you know, at this point and it's, it's moving really slowly. So I want to let you know, it's probably going to take longer than, than we initially thought. So by keeping people apprised of the path ahead and the steps that they're going to go through, you get a lot more compliance, less resistance, less missed appointments, et cetera, right? Oh, 100%. And what I find is that probably like a lot of the folks listening, you know, these are like super smart, super educated practitioners who like, you know, I mean, you think of an acupuncturist, it's like Chinese medicine is like, you know, the meridians and the five elements and all these pieces, they know all this stuff. And they generally don't realize that their own clients that they're not translating that work very well. So that is part of a skill set they have to develop is learning how to explain the process to their clients in a way that they will understand. And yes, that's a key piece of it. What are some things that people do right or misunderstand about the system and misapply it that you have to correct them or help them? I, I mean, I think that... If there's people who hear about what I teach, like I have a podcast and stuff, there's people who hear about what I teach and they're trying to apply it themselves. I don't know what kind of mistakes they're making. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, there could be a lot. As far as when folks are actually working with me, there's some things that I, like, there's just some things as I'm teaching them pieces of this process that I have to kind of shift, shift to the frame of mind. And one of them is around sales and what sales is. There, There is this there is this feeling of there's this feeling that anybody who runs their own business and is financially dependent on it can get of this eagerness of I just want the client. And when I'm teaching the sales process I teach, I, I have to do a bit of teaching around like we're going to get really Zen and have non-attachment to the results here. And this is very different than how sales is taught elsewhere, right? So sale, like traditional sales training is ABC, all about closing, right? And and that is what sometimes is a, is a reframe I have to make is like, no, we're not all about closing here. We're all about best fit clients who you know are going to get great results, you know will be committed to the process. And so your sales, your sales process is about determining, is this one of these perfect fit clients, you know? And you sure don't need to be trying to get anyone in. You're looking for the right people for you, those kind of, those, those ideal clients for you. Well, I'm sure there's a fear of, well, if I have this criteria, what if there's a client that mostly fits, but I don't take them on and they would be a good client. I don't get that money, et cetera. Oh, so much fear. Yeah. So much fear. And, and when it comes to that, it's like, you know, I'm sure you would agree. It's like, you have to make the mistakes too. You got, you got to do the trial and error. You got to experience like letting someone in that you kind of felt like a few red flags about. And then later you're like, oh, see, I knew those red flags were there. Now I know better for next time to actually say no. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, somebody seems like right in a lot of ways, but not so much in others. You know, you might get somebody that like really needs one aspect of what you provide, but this other aspect of what you provide is really important to your services they don't need. You get to choose and you get to experiment with that and see how it goes. And again, I really think full transparency of telling telling that prospective client, like here's one aspect of what I can help you with, you know, but I don't think you need this other thing that I do or this other thing is, you know, not the right fit for you or, or whatever, or you need something else that I don't provide. And so there could be somebody who's a, just a much better fit for you all around. Well, what are some other common fears or reservations people have about working with you? Just the the commitment level, the commitment level of fears of working with me, the commitment level of, you know, kind of going all in on their business. I think some people just have never really done that. It's like they're kind of, you know, I've, I've, been, a, I've been a single parent and sole income for the last 20 years. And so my businesses have had to provide for me. Not everybody's in that position. <laughs> and I think that that actually makes a big difference when there is like a partner or spouse or some kind of other income. Sometimes uh, people are not forced into really going all in. So there's there's fear around that. I mean, I just had a, a brand new client that just started who, so they did take the step and, and it's a big commitment, I think, to work with me. And so they did take that big step already. So that's huge. But they, they said right off the bat, they were like, I... I am scared of making more money. I'm I that is scary to me. That's some deep stuff. We we different people have different money things, but I think everyone's got some money stuff, you know? There's fear of there's fear there's scarcity, there's scarcity and not enoughness and then there's fear of too much and what that might do, especially in health and wellness where people uh, feel like they're givers and they feel like they're not in it for the money. They can feel guilty about, you know, taking taking money from others for something that they want to give freely. Those are some those are some hangups that that can be barriers okay well it makes sense 
Well, there are certain professions that have a much harder time with this, like your acupuncturists, you know, they do well with it, but physical therapists don't, or personal trainers, you know, have the hardest time, et cetera. Well, so when it comes to body workers, which is sort of a blanket term for anybody doing like physical and manual therapies, included in body workers would be massage therapists. And I'd say, so I have had very successful clients who are body workers who are, who are focused on pain and injury and really consider their, their services uh, therapeutic and a form of therapy. But a lot of massage therapists, you know, came through schools and, and the model that they see out in the world of massage therapy is just, well, it's always session by session and can often, often where they get their starts is in a spa setting, which is just all about just kind of a one-time relaxing massage. Those folks, it can be, it, I mean, I don't get many of those folks because it's just way too, I think it's just way too scary and out of the box for them to think of stepping into the lead, into leadership the way the, what everything that I've talked about is really, is really about a practitioner stepping into leadership, not only of their business, but also of their client's health. And it means they're like directing their clients and teaching their clients what they actually need rather than saying, so what would you like today? <laughs> which is what massage therapists are taught to do, right? Do you want deep tissue or just a sweetest massage today? Like, how are you feeling today? You know, that's how they're taught versus what's going on with your body. And here's what I recommend for you. So yeah, so massage therapists, you know, rarely, they, they have to have been in business a while and be really inspired around, I really want more purpose and I really want to be working with folks in order to get them particular results. Yeah. Right. What about uh, chiropractors? It's just the thought crossed my mind. Because they always tell you, uh, you come in, they're like, all right, you should come see me three times a week for the next month and then two and then one. And But they don't really, I mean, they kind of explain, maybe they explain better than other professions or not. What's your experience? Yeah, I think chiropractors are who, I don't want to get myself in too much trouble here. I will say that I have only worked with one chiropractor in all the time I've been doing this work. So I don't have a massive amount of experience. I know that chiropractic is the field that has given folks a bad taste in their mouth or a bad idea around around long-term care. And I think it's because there seem to be all kinds of business programs and business development just for chiropractors. I would say that seems to be the field in health and wellness where there is a, a lot of drive around, around more money. I have no idea why. I couldn't tell you. I just don't know that world enough. But I think that there's lots of business programs for practice for chiropractors. I'm teaching that. And and my sense is that because enough people have complaints about how that's gone for them as clients, that it's really done from this by the chiropractor, that it's done with this money in mind rather than impact in mind, or at least that's how the clients are feeling it, which is not an approach that I would want. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it's not for whatever reason, chiropractors are not the ones coming to me. I get a lot of mental health therapists. I get a lot of movement specialists, so movement therapists of all sorts. So there's yoga therapy. That's a form of yoga. There's just kinesiology. There's actually a bunch of like small name, different name modalities that you probably never heard of that are all about helping people move with ease and get out of pain through movement. Those are folks I get. I mentioned acupuncturists, a lot of those Pilates and yoga teachers that that would represent like a good cross section of, of my folks. Yeah, maybe the chiropractors, it sounds like they're sold to the most, you know, to do these packages or plans or whatever. But I guess they have their own ideas about it or maybe they're 
they're just saturated with people that claim to do what you do, but don't do it as well. Do it in a more mercenary money-based way. Uh, that's just my speculation. Who knows? Yeah. Hmm. Well, very good. Um, any testimonials you could share, you know, with or without names, uh, just cool results that you've, you've gotten for people. Yeah. I mean, that's my favorite part. <laughs> okay. It's my, it's my favorite part. You mentioned my website at the top of the episode. And so I, there is a client stories page there with just lots of different like video interviews and descriptions of clients and showing who they are and so on. But yeah, sure. A couple different stories. I had, I'll mention Peter and Lynn were or are, they're occupational therapists. So that's a, that's a licensed profession and they work with families with kids who have been newly diagnosed usually with autism or on the autism spectrum. And so occupational therapy is, uh, is what's recommended for kids, uh, for little kids. And they have a unique uh, approach to that. They have a unique play-based approach. So they had a clinic and with multiple practitioners underneath them and we're running this clinic. And I mean, when it came to burnout, it was like they had employees and everything. And yet they were in their business 24 seven. Not only were they in it 24 seven, they, they had this staff to oversee and things were still hectic and even getting a little bit toxic in terms of the work environment. And meanwhile, there's just, there was not, it's not like there was a whole bunch extra at the end for the owners to like, feel like there, it was really proving itself. So it was just kind of a mess. And they were thinking of, do we want to give up? Do we want to close this down? They had worked for years in school systems and had, you know, opened this clinic on their own, thinking that it would give them more freedom, both in their time, but also in how they wanted to do the work that they did because they had a unique approach, but it just was wearing them down. And so what's interesting is that it was COVID. It was actually in 2020 when COVID hit that it, you know, it shut down in-person businesses. It shut down these kind of practices. And it was that that gave them this kind of space to breathe for a second. And they found me right in that period and were like, let's do it. Let's, let's see what we can change and if we can revamp this thing. And I like to say we remodeled their business. We did. We just remodeled their business. End result now, you know, sustainable income, higher income. They they say they got their life back. They say they got their business back. Like it had felt like a runaway train. And now, I mean, one of the most amazing results, I sure don't like promise weight loss as part of like my business results, but Peter lost 75 pounds. Like I have check-in calls with them every now and then, and I barely recognize <laughs> Him and it's because he finally had time to take care of his health, you know, I well, mean, yeah, he had just been slammed. So, and they just had their first vacation actually for the first time in all these years and the business kept going without them, you know? So that's uh, just like a beautiful story of like an advanced stage business already scaled and everything that was off the rails, you know, had gone off the rails and just like fixing it, bringing it back on. And now they've got something as they, you know, that's really running solid and, that level of fulfillment that I was talking about, it is just a whole new level for practitioners when they get to serve their people at these really deep levels. So in this case, you know, they put together this program for families that previously it was just these sessions with the kids and their program, they built in parent education sessions and they built in actually going to the schools with the parents and doing advocacy with them. They got to build like their dream 
program and dream service, which is amazing. That's just so amazing, not only for them as practitioners, but for those clients to get that, to get that service. That's like exactly what they need right when they're right when they're needing it. So that's one example. Another one is a longtime client of mine, um, Galena. She came to me when she had actually had, she actually had shut down her existing business. She had hit that place and was like, I'm done with this. And she had been doing, she had been working out of an in-home studio, a, a studio in her home. And she had been doing movement therapy and somatic touch therapy um, for people with chronic pain. And I mean, she had just been working like 40 client facing hours a week, which is just nuts, honestly, and just was still financially struggling. And she and she shut it all down. And she had this vision. She was like, I she used to run these retreats. She had been running these retreats once a year that was a, a different format. And it was specifically for people who were struggling with eating, eating behaviors, eating disorders. And she just loved that retreat time. And so she kind of was like, is there some way to make a business around this? And and she came to me and we started building it. So this was a case of a very experienced practitioner, but starting almost a brand new business in some ways. And she now, years later, you know, she quadrupled her income from previously. She now has a team running her program. She's published a book. I mean, she just just rocking and having an incredible impact on a, on a larger number of people with fewer hours and greater income. It's, it's just beautiful. Okay. Well, when is the uh, Sapir, the savior TV show coming out where you go and <laughs> help businesses on TV? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's creative of you. That's yeah, right. Cool. <laughs> there are those series like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're like the prophet in a way with Marcus Limonis, but you have your own version of stuff and you've got good results so that's why it came to mind all right you planted a seed rich <laughs> all right all right well we're at the end of time but it's been a really good call so um we want to refer people that are listening to joannasapir.com and you mentioned a podcast so what's the name of that and what yeah. are some other resources for folks listening yeah. Yes, I have a podcast. It's called The Business Revolution for Practitioners with Joanna Sapir. Should be easy to find, especially if you just plug my name in or The Business Revolution for Practitioners. And then on my website, I actually have quite a few free resources. If there happens to be any wellness practitioners listening who are who would like to learn my whole framework a, a lot more in depth and kind of some of the pieces of it, there are several free trainings available there. Well, excellent. Joanna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.